0: Hi, everyone. It's Ashley. Each week here on The Deck, you hear raw interviews from family members and investigators who are looking for answers to cases that, for whatever reason, remain unsolved. But unsolved crimes are often unsolved for a reason. Time has cracked and curved around some of these cases for so long that getting answers has become complicated. Well now, investigative journalist Delia Diembra is turning back the clock to look at an unsolved case from 1991. She's speaking to investigators, key witnesses, and loved ones who are still searching for answers on how exactly 27-year-old Douglas Wagg Jr. died. But here's the thing. While Delia's investigation for this season of CounterClock started as a look into one man's suspicious death, A string of crimes and other mysterious deaths point to so much more. Tune in each week for new episodes of CounterClock Season 6 wherever you listen to podcasts. Love is more than a day on the calendar or a sign-off on a letter. Love starts with you. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that radiate with your love from every angle. With Pandora's vast selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms, there's endless ways to show what's in your heart. Write a love note to yourself or your best friend with handwritten charms or a personal engraving. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. State Farm helps you win by helping you create an affordable price just for you. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Our card this week is Aaron Lamont Smalls, the ace of spades from Virginia. When Aaron was found shot to death in 2001, investigators dug through piles of tips and several key pieces of evidence to try and find his killer. But each lead seemed to dry up quicker than the last, and the case eventually went cold. Now, more than 20 years later, investigators are still hopeful that they can uncover the truth for his family and give them the closure they deserve. I'm Ashley Flowers, and this is The Deck. Deputies from the York-Pocosin Sheriff's Office were going about their evening, patrolling the streets of York County, Virginia, when they got a call from dispatch about an abandoned vehicle. A sedan had been parked at the Country Club Apartments on the northwest edge of the county for several days, and the management company wanted it gone. So they headed over to the complex to check it out. By the time they pulled in, it was about 7 p.m., so things were pretty quiet. Most people were inside their units for the night, and so it didn't take long for them to spot the car in question. It was parked in a spot just off to the side of one of the buildings and, at least from the outside, it appeared to be in working order. Sheriff Ron Montgomery wasn't the one on the scene that night. He was the chief deputy at the time. But he told our reporter nothing stood out when his deputies got a closer look.
1: So at the time that we were there, there were no keys found with the vehicle, nobody around the vehicle. deputy got out and and opened the car doors. Uh, The only thing that was unusual about it at that point, it was the back seat was missing out of the vehicle.
0: When the deputies ran the license plate, they found that it had been reported stolen about two weeks ago on January 25th, 2001. And it was now February 6th. According to the registration, it belonged to a woman whom I'll just call V. Her address on file showed that she lived in Newport News, which was just about 20 minutes south of the apartment where the car was found. They gave V a call and filled her in on what they had found, saying that she could come pick up her car directly from the complex. Even though there weren't any keys at the scene, V said that she had a spare and she'd make her way up there later that evening. Thinking the situation was handled, the deputies went back to their patrol. But it wasn't long after that the sheriff's office got another call. This time, it was from V herself. She'd gone to pick up the car and before she drove off in it, she decided to check the trunk to see if the backseat had maybe been stowed in there. It's a 1984 Chevy celebrity, so think like super deep trunk and hook and eye seats. Anyway, everything else in the car seemed to be fine. But when she got to the back and popped the trunk, she discovered something horrific. Stuffed inside was the body of her boyfriend, Aaron.
1: Well, that obviously prompted us to return to the scene. And ultimately, we discovered that the individual that was in the back Uh, Stuffed in the trunk was Aaron Smalls, a black male out of Newport News, Virginia.
0: Aaron, who was known almost exclusively by his nickname Peanut, had been missing since January 25th, the same day she'd reported her car stolen. And just a quick side note, I'm going to call him Peanut from now on, but you'll hear Sheriff Montgomery use both Peanut and Aaron interchangeably. In the trunk, Peanut's body didn't show any obvious signs of decomposition. He only had on one shoe, a slipper with a hard sole. But investigators couldn't see anything else without moving his body.
1: So it's our protocol that once once we found that there was someone in the trunk that was obviously dead, we didn't disturb the body until the medical examiner got there.
0: While they waited, they turned their attention back to V. She told them that she and Peanut lived together in Newport News with his son. He was originally from Philadelphia, and most of his family, including his son's mother, still lived there. And it seemed like, despite the distance, he was pretty close to them. In fact, on the day he went missing, his brother was actually in town for a visit. And according to V, he was the last person to see Peanut. She told deputies that the story his brother had been telling everyone was that on the morning of the 25th, Peanut said that he needed to run to a cell store to add minutes to the phone that he had just recently bought, Hello 2001. So he'd grabbed the keys to V's car and walked out the door.
1: So the last time that anyone saw him was his brother at 8.30 in the morning when he left and said, I'm going to go get minutes from my cell phone. As far as I know, no one saw him again thereafter. Not that it's ever reached out to us anyway.
0: I'm not sure where V was during all of this, but here's where things really get interesting. When Peanut didn't return with the car, she reported it stolen. But Peanut himself wasn't reported missing until January 28th. That's three days after he was last seen. I can't explain this gap in time, and the NNPD wasn't able to confirm who filed the missing persons report, so I could be missing some context here. But it's an odd detail that I just can't get out of my head. Why report the car missing, but not the man who drove off in it? And actually, not just missing, you reported the car stolen. Now, from what I can tell, it seems like the stolen status was more for attention on the missing car, not to try and say that Peanut had taken it or anything shady like that. Now, before they could question V any further, the medical examiner arrived.
1: And once the body was removed from the trunk was when we could see that there was an obvious shotgun blast to the chest area.
0: With Peanut's body on the way to the ME's office, investigators were able to do a more thorough search of the car. His missing slipper was nowhere to be found, but tucked into the back of the trunk were two T-shirts stained with blood and a cell phone. In fact, the whole trunk was surprisingly tidy. Sure, there was some blood from the wound on Peanut's chest, but not the amount you'd expect to find from such a brutal injury. And the body of the car didn't have any bloodstains or anything either. So investigators immediately thought that Peanut was likely killed outside of the car and then just put into the trunk. A lot of the reporting on this case mentioned that cocaine was found in the vehicle as well, but Sheriff Montgomery said that was just a rumor. Besides the two shirts and the phone, they didn't find anything else. Meanwhile, other investigators were canvassing the complex and interviewing as many residents as they could. And luckily, many of them came forward because the unfamiliar car had really stood out in this neighborhood.
1: It's not a high-crime area. If you talk about major crimes like robberies, murders, that type of thing, basically larcenies from vehicles. I mean, we've had some issues with people dealing drugs up there in the past, but pretty much the same thing that you can find in other apartment complexes as well.
0: The timing of when the car appeared varied, The best investigators could tell was that it'd been there about two weeks, which fit the date that Peanut had disappeared. But not one person said they'd heard anything suspicious during that time frame, like gunshots or a fight, which indicated Peanut's murder had taken place away from the complex.
1: We don't have any idea where the the shooting actually occurred. It clearly didn't occur in the parking lot of the apartment complex, or somebody would have heard that or seen it. So he was killed somewhere else, put in the trunk of the car, and then that car was dropped off at Country Club Apartments.
0: Despite no one witnessing the homicide, some residents had seen someone with the car. And this person wasn't Peanut. They said it was a man who was black, clean-shaven, roughly six feet tall, maybe 180 pounds, and in his late 20s to early 30s. Those who saw this man said that he had been in or around the car the first couple of days after Peanut went missing.
1: There was actually some people that claimed that they saw him driving the car. And then the, the best description claimed that they saw him get out of the car, walk around it a couple of times. There was even
0: one resident who claimed that he'd spoken to this guy. He told investigators that the man got out of the parked car, approached him, and asked for a cigarette. He matched the description the other residents gave them. But this witness got a clear view of what he was wearing dark jeans, a dark jacket, and a knit cap. I don't know if the witness gave the man a cigarette, but they didn't really talk much more, and eventually the guy left. Although the witness couldn't remember if he had gotten back in the car or just walked off. I know it feels like the witness should have been able to give more detail about this guy since they were face-to-face, but remember, it's been two weeks at this point. Like, do you remember every single person that you have had an interaction with throughout your day? I know I don't. Anyway, in the end, investigators didn't have enough of a description for a composite sketch. But they took what information they had gathered and released it to local media in case someone out there knew the man. They didn't get any hits right off the bat, so they shifted their focus back to Peanut. They wanted to gather as much information about him and his disappearance as they could. And they started by circling back to V. The living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. Take it from someone who has made the mistake. And I should have freaking known better, because in our very first house, we got a sectional from Ashley's store. And it was amazing. So beautiful, withstood a lot. I mean, Chuck is absolutely invited on all the furniture, but you couldn't tell. And that couch, after years of service, then supported our lazy butts during COVID, when we binge-watched show after show after show. Not even so much as an indent in my favorite cushion. Long story short, when we moved houses, I was like, oh, I'll get a new couch. It costs more money. It must be better. No, I hate it. It looks like we've had it for a zillion years. Meanwhile, the Ashley couch is still thriving at my brother's place. And as if their stuff wasn't quality before, the new high-performance furniture from Ashley's store is somehow even better. It's designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Listen, I have corrected all of my mistakes and we now have their new high-performance, durable furniture. I got it in this beautiful shade of blue. I got some chairs, love them, love them, love them. So whether you're hosting and toasting or just enjoying furry friends, you can relax knowing you have the durability and convenience of Ashley Store's newest assortment of high-performance furniture. Shop the life-resistant, high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The RealReal is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacques Mousse, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000-plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else, on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code DECK at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. This time, investigators interviewed her at the station. Her story didn't change at all, but just to be safe, they asked if she would take a polygraph. She agreed to the test, and she passed. I'm not sure if she was ever able to explain the three-day gap between reporting the car stolen and Peanut being reported missing, but I'm assuming investigators at the time were able to clear that up because they cleared her of any involvement. Over the next couple of days, they interviewed as many of Peanut's other friends and family as they could and everyone they spoke to was devastated by his death. They said as soon as they realized that he was missing, everyone was super concerned. Even though he was 25, it wasn't normal for him to go anywhere without at least telling one person where he was going to be. Before Peanut disappeared, his friends and family said that he was acting totally normal. Even as he was walking out the door for the last time, his brother told investigators nothing seemed off. So when he hadn't turned back up, all of Peanut's loved ones knew that something was wrong. And they came together to look for him.
1: They did the same thing that most anyone else would do. They would call around and ask if anybody had seen, and they made people aware that he was missing along with the car. After speaking with
0: his friends and family, investigators headed to the cell phone store next to confirm if he had made it there. But they couldn't find any evidence that he had ever been to the store on the 25th. So they circled back to the family to try and see if maybe there was somewhere else that he could have gone. And that's when they learned that Peanut had recently been in some trouble with the law.
1: We do have family members who acknowledge that they knew that Aaron was, in fact, dealing drugs. I don't know that there's any evidence that he was moving large amounts. It sounded more like smaller amounts of marijuana and cocaine that he was moving on a regular basis. At the time that Aaron disappeared... There were actually indictments out for him from a local drug task force on drug charges based on the other information that we had had that, uh, you know, from the family and from the task force. He was in and out of the upper part of the county, which is that area, at least on a fairly regular basis anyway. So he wouldn't have been a stranger to that area.
0: With this information, investigators thought this could be their missing link. Maybe Peanut had gone to make a drug deal up in York County before going to the store, and then something went wrong.
1: Well, based on experience, you would think that the life that that Aaron Smalls was leading was probably somehow related to what caused his death. I mean, over the years, I've worked multiple cases where someone owes you money, you owe someone money, and this is the result of the, the, the fact that They get tired of waiting for what they're owed, and they're going to make an example.
0: Despite living what might have been considered a risky lifestyle, investigators couldn't find any other red flags. Peanut's family couldn't pinpoint any known enemies, any history of bad drug deals, or even run-ins with shady characters. They couldn't even think of anyone who matched the description of the guy seen with V's car. And investigators weren't able to find anything to connect Peanut to the complex itself either. Like he didn't seem to know anyone who lived there or in the surrounding area. So next, they decided to check his cell phone records on the chance that they could maybe dig up a lead there. And since they had what they assumed was his cell phone, it shouldn't have been a problem. But when they took another look at the phone that was found in the trunk, they realized it wasn't Peanut's. The phone wasn't a prepaid cell like Peanuts was. And when they looked into the number, they found that it was actually registered to a woman. I'll just call her Wanda. So next step, find Wanda and ask how her phone ended up in the trunk under a dead man. But she was yet another dead end.
1: Well, the phone owner stated she lost a phone at Greenbrier Mall around January of 2001.
0: Now... I had a ton of questions about Wanda. Like, what are the odds that you lose your phone in a mall that's about an hour away, by the way, and then it shows up a month later in the trunk of a reportedly stolen car with a murdered man? But the only additional information Sheriff Montgomery could provide was that Wanda didn't know Peanut or anyone associated with the case. So I don't know if they dove into her phone to see if they could put some pieces together... She seems like just another one of those frustrating loose ends that I can't tie up because we just don't have the information. But even without Peanut's physical phone, they were still able to pull records from the last two weeks of activity before he went missing. Now they couldn't track his whereabouts, but they could see who he communicated with. Unfortunately though, nothing stood out. No unknown numbers or calls made at weird hours. Peanut had been using the phone for the same reasons we all do, to keep in touch with loved ones. And when his autopsy results came back soon after, investigators hit yet another wall. The report basically confirmed what investigators already knew. Peanut had been killed by a gunshot wound to the front of his chest, most likely from a 12-gauge shotgun. Other than that injury, he didn't have any other marks or abrasions on his body, so it didn't seem like there was any sort of struggle before his death. And nothing stood out in his toxicology report that would send investigators in any kind of other direction. The only thing that really stood out was that the medical examiner wasn't able to determine his time of death. Peanut's body wasn't very decomposed, but that didn't necessarily mean that he had been killed right before he was found. The report stated that he could have been preserved thanks to the combination of the sealed trunk and the chilly winter weather.
1: We know that, you know, on the date that we found the car, that obviously... He died within a a fairly short time prior to that, whether it was days or a week, there really isn't any way to know, other than we have a start date, which is the last day he's seen, and then the day that he's found, and in between there, any one of those days are possible.
0: At that point, investigators decided to turn back to the public for help. They put out another call for information about the case and an acquaintance of V's came forward and said they'd seen a car matching the description of V's vehicle at a fast food restaurant on January 27th, just two days after Peanut disappeared.
1: There was an individual who saw the car at a Dodge's chicken place on Jefferson Avenue in the Denby area of Newport News. But the individual driving the car did not match Aaron's description. They did not believe that was Aaron.
0: While this witness was certain Peanut wasn't the one driving, they weren't able to provide a very clear description of the person who was. All they could say for sure was that the driver was a black male. And this immediately made investigators think of the man seen with the car at the apartment complex due just to the timing.
1: I would say that we would make that assumption that it's probably the same person that was seen getting out of the car up at country club it's all in the same time frame
0: they still couldn't id the man though but there were also other tips coming in that they dug into and that's when they came across a woman who i'll call stephanie she was a friend of peanuts and she had a story about an incident that took place before he disappeared that seemed like it might be a promising lead When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place that we're always dreaming about. Whether it's the snow-capped mountains, white sand beaches, a best friend's wedding, or even a hometown visit, we all have one. I mean, you're probably thinking of yours right now. Wherever your happy place is, Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price, so you never have to miss a trip. And listen, as a mom, as a CEO, it's not easy for me to get away, or at least not far away. But ever since I was in college, I have been the queen of staycations. And hand-to-bible, Priceline was my jam. I had it dialed in. I'd get four-star hotels for like 50 bucks a night and treat myself after a long work week and college classes. Every Vegas trip I ever took in my 20s was through Priceline. I couldn't even believe anyone ever booked anything another way. And Priceline is more than just hotels. Priceline lets you book your entire trip all in one place. So download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Why not grocery shop from the comfort of your couch? With Thrive Market, the no-junk-food, healthy grocery store, you can't. I've been gearing up for summer, trying to get myself in shape. And I actually have been getting all of my whey protein and collagen powders from Thrive Market. Not just from Thrive Market, but I get the Thrive Market brand, which is delicious, priced super well. And I feel like it's a brand that I can trust because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. And they restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. Save time and money as a Thrive Market member on every single grocery order. On average, customers save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash deck for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash deck. thrivemarket.com slash deck. Stephanie told investigators that a couple of days before Peanut went missing, she'd gotten a call from a man who was looking for him. This guy, who I'll call Daryl, was a loose acquaintance of Stephanie's. Like, she knew him well enough to recognize who he was when he called, but she didn't even know his last name. Anyway, Daryl said that he needed to get a hold of Peanut because Peanut was holding on to something that belonged to him, and he needed it back. But that's all the information he would give, so Stephanie had turned to Peanut for answers.
1: She saw Peanut later that day, made him aware of this phone call, and according to her, said that he was holding a firearm. Didn't say whether it was a handgun, shotgun, what it was. And that was all the information that she had about it. She didn't inquire any further. And after this pretest statement, she was polygraphed on whether or not she had any specific information about Peanut. Did she know who killed Peanut? And she... According to the polygraph examiner, she showed no deceit.
0: So the next step was to track down Daryl. And when they did, he admitted that Stephanie's story was true. From what I can tell, though, he didn't give investigators a reason as to why Peanut was holding the gun for him. But Sheriff Montgomery had his own suspicions.
1: Sometimes they're involved in crimes and you don't want to get rid of the gun, but you don't want to be caught with it either. So you pass it on to a trusted friend or accomplice and say, hang on to this for me for whatever reason for a period of time. Sometimes law enforcement's fortunate enough to get a hold of that gun and trace it back to crime.
0: Did you get a hold of the gun that Peanut was supposedly
1: holding on? No. No, we never found any firearms that were associated with this case. Daryl
0: was adamant that he didn't have anything to do with Peanuts' murder. And since they couldn't find this firearm or a single shred of evidence that he could be involved, investigators were once again forced to move on to another tip. You see, a single house slipper matching the description of Peanuts' shoe was found in Newport News. Now, I don't know who found it or how police were notified, but the tip said that the shoe was in a field at an industrial park. When investigators heard about this, they were over the moon. This could be the second crime scene they'd been looking for. But when they checked it out, the slipper was the only thing they could find. There was nothing to indicate that this location was connected to the homicide. And besides the fact that it looked similar, investigators weren't even able to match this slipper to the one Peanut was wearing. They tried running some tests on it to try and get DNA from both shoes, but they couldn't connect them. So this was yet another dead end. It was around this time, though, that all that other evidence that they had sent off for testing finally came back from the lab. First, they learned that V's car was even cleaner than they thought. They tested it for fingerprints, for blood, whatever, but every single test they ran came back negative. And it turns out the exterior had been wiped down. And here's where I find myself going back to the missing back seat, like If the car was super clean, there had to be a reason that someone would remove an entire seat, right? Well, whatever the reason was, neither Sheriff Montgomery nor any of the articles I read offered an explanation. So again, just another loose end. The only other thing that the lab could tell them was that the blood found on the two shirts in the trunk was Peanuts' blood. But that was all they could get. So with no other evidence to test, or no new tips coming in— the case started to cool off. And months started going by with nothing new. That is, until they got a call later in 2001 from an inmate at the Virginia Peninsula Regional Jail.
1: We got contacted by an inmate in the jail who had had a conversation with another individual, a cellmate. And that person had said, my cousin had something to do with Peanut's death. And the name of the cousin was familiar to us as well. We had had dealings with that individual in the past. The inmate claimed that the information was that the shotgun that was used in the homicide was thrown into a drainage ditch or a drainage culvert in a neighborhood not far from where Peanut was found.
0: The jail is in York County, literally five minutes from the apartment complex where Peanut was found. So investigators headed over there to talk with this other inmate. But when they asked him about the story his cellmate told, he denied ever making any statements about Peanuts' murder. And what's more, he claimed he didn't even have a cousin by the name that the cellmate gave investigators. But they weren't just going to take this guy's word for it. This was the best lead they'd had in months. So they went out and searched for this shotgun over the course of two days.
1: Investigators, along with public works people from from York County, actually put devices down into, cameras down into the sewage system for considerable amounts of distance through the whole neighborhood, never could locate a shotgun in any of the locations that were remotely close to what was described by the person in jail.
0: Investigators were once again forced to move on. Time started flying by, and according to reporting by David McCauley for the Daily Press, there wasn't any movement in the case for five years. But as time went on, so did advancements in DNA technology. And in July 2006, investigators decided to send those two shirts from the trunk off for more testing. And this time, they got a profile. A profile that wasn't peanuts. Investigators were hopeful that this was their big break, so they uploaded the profile to the Virginia DNA databank. but they didn't get any hits. That is, until May of 2007. When, boom, out of nowhere, there was a database hit on the DNA profile. The profile matched to a 32-year-old man who I'll call Anthony. He'd recently been convicted of a felony, although Sheriff Montgomery couldn't remember what the crime was. When investigators started looking into him, they realized Anthony actually knew Peanut's girlfriend, V. It turns out he was the father of her child. Now, my source didn't know much about their relationship or their kid, like how old they were or who they lived with, but it sounded like Anthony and V saw each other pretty frequently due to their shared parenting responsibilities. And when investigators started asking around about this guy, they learned that Anthony knew Peanut, too.
1: Actually, he was a known associate of Peanut. Once we drilled down into some of the interviews, it wasn't uncommon for them to be seen together.
0: They finally tracked Anthony down in August, and when they told him about the DNA match, he was like, well, of course my DNA popped up. Those are my shirts. At some point, he says he'd left them with V or in the trunk, and they had been there for a while before the murder.
1: So that was his explanation for why a shirt with his DNA would be in that vehicle, which at that point was a plausible explanation.
0: Just like everyone else they'd questioned in this case, Anthony swore up and down that he didn't have anything to do with Peanuts' homicide. Throughout the interview, he fully cooperated with investigators, and he even agreed to give them another DNA sample to compare to the profile they had, which they did, and it was a match again, but they just didn't feel like Anthony was their guy. If he was as close with V and Peanut as it seemed, then it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for some of his stuff, like the shirts, to end up in their possession. Just to be extra sure, investigators tried to come up with other, more sinister explanations for why the shirts may have been there. But ultimately, they couldn't find anything. And with that, Peanut's case went ice cold. Since 2007, investigators have tried to revive it many times. They've released more pleas for information to the public and worked with local and national media to keep Peanut's story in the news. They even went back and re-interviewed Anthony around 2012-2013 just to be sure his story checked out. But it did, and they were never able to regain any momentum. And despite their best efforts, they've never found Peanut's cell phone. They've never found the murder weapon, or the keys, or the backseat from V's car. Or even the crime scene, where they believe Peanut was really killed. They've never ID'd that man spotted driving V's car either. But while the lack of leads has been frustrating for investigators, it's taken the greatest toll on Peanut's loved ones, who have never given up hope that they'll one day have closure.
1: We get a call um, at least once a year from some relatives from Philadelphia asking if there's any developments in the case. Uh, They've been thankful that we have resurrected the case a couple of times on local news channels and on national media, but to this point, we don't have any real person of interest or any one person that we're zeroing in on. The interesting thing about it is, various people have given bits and pieces of information that weren't publicly known, enough to draw your interest to how would you know that but they don't lead anywhere right now. For example, we didn't publicize that he was killed by a shotgun blast. So when this person claimed in a jailhouse interview that it was a shotgun that was used or at least insinuated that it was and put in the the sewage drain, that intrigued us because how else would you know?
0: After his murder, Peanut's son went back to Philadelphia to live with his mother. And while he's surrounded by family members who love and support him, he's grown up without ever knowing why his father was taken away.
1: There's a young man out there that grew up without his father, and his, and his mother, as far as I know, and some of his relatives are still alive and would probably like to know that the person that committed this crime has faced justice. You would think with the amount of time gone by, the only way that this, this crime is gonna be solved that if someone has specific knowledge of it was to come forward at this point in time and make us aware of some piece of evidence that we've not been made aware of before now. And as time goes by, it's probably less likely that that occurs. And I would like to think that somebody will hear this and go, you know, we're gonna make that phone call. But I think that's what it's gonna to take to solve this case.
0: If you have any information about the 2001 murder of Aaron Lamont Smalls, also known as Peanut, please don't hesitate to call the York Pocosin Sheriff's Office at 757-890-4999. The Deck is an audio Chuck production with theme music by Ryan Lewis. To learn more about The Deck and our advocacy work, visit thedeckpodcast.com. So, what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m., at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New Miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient rich, high quality ingredients. Miracle Grow is simply the best. Ask Sherwin Williams and get 30% off Duration and Superdeck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms and of course get 30 percent off all of our other colors shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood sherwin-williams store click the banner to
1: learn more retail sales only some exclusions apply see store for details